Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry and we are going to take a look at films adapted from novels which is the focus on season 7 and today's episode we're going to take a look at one of the most controversial yet critically acclaimed films that has hit our screens from a source novel and that is the 1999 drama Fight Club. Adapted from a book by Chuck Polanyi, directed by legendary filmmaker David Fincher, and starring Edward Norton, Brad Pitt, Helena Bonham Carter, Jared Leto, and Meatloaf. Fight Club exists now in popular pop culture as a masculine, testosterone-driven film that explores the deconstruction and logic behind masculinity and materialism. Coated around these themes are the entertainment values of a fight club that allow men to get into underground fights with each other for one reason and one reason alone. To relieve themselves of the shackles society has put them in and to allow their much-needed violence to have a path, a way out. That is acceptable by a community or some form of society. I mean, many may know this film because of the stars or their themes. Most know it, however, because of popular pop culture, as I've mentioned earlier. As in, for instance, the quotes. First rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. The second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. And that is the extent of most people's knowledge to this cerebral film. There is much more to this film than those quotes. I mean, I mean, those are the quotes that, you know, that live beyond the film. I mean, most people know of those two rules, but I bet most don't even know there are actually eight rules. And if you ask those people who can regurgitate that quote over and over again, if you can even ask them what the other six rules are, I don't think they would know. Now, film exists through time by a few iconic scenes or quotes that seem to succeed the film entirely. Like Scarface's line, say hello to my little friend, or Godfather's, I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. But past that, what does the film do for you if you've even seen it? Do you just know it because of the quotes, the scenes, the things you may have seen on memes on Instagram? We don't know. Now, Fight Club is becoming one of those films. It fortunately has the gift of being released in the late 90s, so more people understand this film or the people in this film than, let's say, The Deer Hunter or Scarface, where they know that the film is more than a few famous lines told from an A-lister because it was part of our young adolescence and not an old film we weren't even alive for when the film was released. I mean, the film confirmed basically that David Fincher was not a one-hit wonder when his earlier film Seven formed massively at the box office. From Seven he expanded his talents and the studio trusted him to do any film he set his eyes on and he would go on to star with his frequent collaborator at this point Brad Pitt once again used um, in this film. I mean they would pair again for I think they did Seven Fight Club and then they did Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Button which landed Brad Pitt his Oscar nomination for Best Actor. But unlike Tarantino, I mean, who writes and directs his own films from scratch, David Fincher seeks out stories worth telling and brings a precise uniqueness to the story when adapted to on screen. Now, he used Andrew Kevin Walker's screenplay for Seven, Gillian Flynn's book for Gone Girl, Stig Larson's novel or franchise for The Girl of the Dragon Tattoo, Aaron Sorkin's screenplay for Social Network, Robert Graysmith's book about the Zodiac, and of course, Chuck Polanyi's novel about Fight Club. 
So Chuck published his book Fight Club in 1996. There wasn't much time before the film was adapted and made into a film, um, as we know it was. I mean, he refused to write the screenplay for the film, instead more interested to see the vision Fincher was going to bring to his story. He even admitted that he found the film to be an improvement on his novel. According to an interview he did, Chuck first came up with the idea for the novel after being beaten up on a camping trip and when he complained to some nearby campers about the noise of their radio. So when he returned to work, um, he was fascinated to find out that nobody would mention or acknowledge his injuries, instead saying such commonplace things like, how was your weekend, and completely misregarding his injuries. Polonique then concluded that the reason people reacted this way was because if they asked him what had happened, a degree of personal interaction would be necessary, and his workmates simply didn't care enough to connect with him on a personal level. It was his fascination of this societal blocking which became the foundation for this novel. I mean, Chuck didn't actually start writing until he was in his late 30s. He was a journalist by trade before that. He had a rough life. His father was murdered in a bizarre circumstance when he was in his teens. I mean, if the film is anything to go by, you'll get how weird his life actually was. Most of the things in this film is based on his own life. I mean, he would actually go to meetings for terminally ill people or cancer or HIV, even though he didn't have any of them. I think Edward Norton and Helena Bonacarta were talking about doing this for real, for research for their characters, but they just couldn't gut it. They just didn't. They just thought it was immorally wrong, but the author did that. Most of the lines that Tyler has in this film, so, um, you know, are things he or his friends have said in real life. Even the insert of pornogra- uh, pornography, pornography, what the hell, pornography in films was something his friends actually did when they were in their youth. And you know, even Chuck, he named Tyler Durden after a character of Toby Tyler in Toby Tyler or Ten Weeks of a Circus, that 1960s film. And there's a man called Durden, who which per- Polonique worked with. Uh, who was fired, actually, for sexual harassment. So that's a variation from Tyler from uh, Tyler or Ten Weeks from a Circus, and Durden is someone he actually knew. And Marla Singer was named after a young girl called Maria, who used to beat up his sister in school, which is a random way of remembering someone. But anyway, and here's something quite rather fascinating about him and rather relevant. His, his claim to have... Uh, he, he claimed to have coined the term snowflake to describe a generation to be easily offended by opposing worldviews. Since he does use it in the Fight Club novel, and he says it in this extract here, you're not beautiful and you are a unique snowflake. So that, if somewhat relevant and noteworthy, is uh, his sort of claim for fame, if it isn't for Fight Club. I think snowflake might even supersede Fight Club as well, to be honest, because a lot of people are using it now because of how emotional people get of things that they shouldn't do anyway. That's another rant, but yeah, he seemingly wrote most of Fight Club when he was bored in work meetings, another thing that is somewhat in the movie too. He said he also, he said that with the movie twist at the end of the novel or the film, um, that was on the spot. He didn't actually come up with that um, while he was writing it. Apparently it just came to him when he was doing the second or third act and he realised that, you know, Tyler and and, and the narrator like two very similar characters and he thought about merging them together and then the idea sort of finally got there. Um, and you just realise that they're pretty much the same person. He toyed with the idea a bit and realised, you know, the first, second, third of the book was pretty much, you know, you could get away with this massive twist and then he wrote the ending and, you know, the rest is history and uh, it worked out. And I guess um, that was one of the main appeals about this movie, that really big twist at the end of the movie. But if you were ever fortunate to ever watch this film without knowing the ending, you are lucky because I heard about the ending before I saw the movie. So it was a painstakingly obvious thing to see when I saw it. So the film didn't have the same impact it had for someone who didn't know what the ending was. 
I mean, understandably, when you do watch a film a second time that has a big twist, you actually start to notice the hints the director has left in the movie for you. The film is, you know, the, the, the film is no different. If anything, this is a film that probably does at it does it at you know the best points of it because it Fight Club is an example of watching a film twice by seeing blaringly obvious things that you missed the first time you watched it because you don't know the twist until the end. I mean, now one of the big assumptions of the movie is the name of Edward Norton's character. I mean, we assume it's Jack since the narration, I am Jack's envious eyes and so on and all that, but almost he's more commonly known as the narrator. I think he's credited as the narrator. Um, but it has been confirmed by Chuck Polanyi, the author, that his name is actually Sebastian. So there you go. He's Sebastian. Doesn't really look like a Seb or Sebastian, does he? But I think given the two separate definitive names would hinder the big twist at the end, so he kept it quite ambiguous. I mean, I think I like the fact that his name isn't really definitive or mentioned, which adds to the twist at the end of the movie as well, which is, I think, a quite a good way of doing it. But yeah, speaking of hints, if you've ever if you've seen this movie twice, like I think most people have, because it's uh, definitely a different film when you watch it a second time, you're going to see numerous hints to the movie twist ending that Brad and Ed are playing the same character. I mean, they have the same briefcase. He doesn't actually offer to tell him his name on the airplane when Brad and Ed are fighting. No one steps in to intervene. Instead, looking very confused. I mean, funny thing about that scene is um, <laughs> I was watching an interview. I think it was on Graham Norton. And Brad is like, I want you to hit me as hard as you can, that famous scene. And so Brad thought Edward was going to throw a fake punch to the stomach. but And that was what was meant to happen. And that's what Brad thought was going to happen. But before shooting that scene, David Fincher pulled Edward Norton aside and said to hit him for real and to hit him in the ear. And and he's like, you sure about that? I was like, yeah, 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 do it, do it. Just because we need to get it once and it'll be funny. And that is the scene that exists today in the film, and that's Brad Pitt's genuine reaction. So it's uh, <laughs> it's quite funny. But yes, going back to the hints, there, there there are so many. I mean, like he pays for one bus fare, not two. A bystander moves out of the way for one of them, but not the other. Maria uh, Marla, sorry, asks Brad Pitt who you're talking to. Amongst so many more hints that you know, I can continue to spoil on here. But you know, like so, the, you know, just watch the film a second time, and you'll see it every other scene. So the film, like I said, was David Fincher's second proper film. I'm not going to count Aliens 3 because the studio royally fucked over that film and Fight Club was when people were going to take him seriously. Like how people you know, saw Tarantino after Pulp Fiction was like, oh, okay, he is consistently quite good, not just a one-hit sensation. So with Fight Club, you know, budget was around $63 million for this movie, which was enormous, and it made its money back and then some. It made around $100 million worldwide, globally, I think. So it did turn a profit, but the film's main fame came from the years later when it was labelled one of the most important films of our generation. And uh, Brad Pitt got like $17.5 million for the role, and Edward Norton only got paid $2.5 million, but he was just starting up, I guess. But still, quite a big difference between them, and they're both playing the same characters. And since Edward Norton is kind of the main character there. Um, and this was quite early on in his career, to be honest, but yeah. In fact, there's a slight irony in his role in this film because in his debut film, uh, Primal Fear, with Richard Gere, that's his, um, Edward Norton's prime debut film, really good film, um, he pretends to have a split person uh, personality to avoid going to prison. In this film, he is basically two people portrayed in the same film, so a bit of irony in that, but... Edward Norton, he also lost 17 pounds for the movie. Uh, Brad Pitt was quite reluctant to do it uh, in this movie, or just to do this movie, but David Fincher basically just knocked on his trailer door when he was shooting Meet Joe Black and invited him out for a beer, and the rest, as they say, is uh, is history. But 
Yeah, it was a good choice, I think, to get Brad Pitt involved in this because it's definitely boosted his career into taking him as a serious actor as well. But Edward Norton is also a massive supporter of, um, or, or, or just not of not smoking or not refusing to smoke in films. Sorry, so he doesn't like smoking and refuses to smoke in any of his films. Um, but this one was actually an exception. Um, he said that he, the character needed to smoke in this movie and he understand the vision that David Fincher was trying to get with Jack or the narrator or Sebastian, I guess. And uh, he's turned down smoking in films like the Round and Rounders, the one with um, I think it's Matt Damon, the poker film, and also in Primal Fear. And he he was always arguing with the director, saying, "I'm not going to have a cigarette." But this one, he gladly accepted. Uh, so yeah, he, him, him and Brad also tried to make soap for real. They didn't do it too well, but they, they know they've done the class now. Uh, they've become friends, was a guest at Jennifer Aniston's wedding, uh, to have stayed close quite, uh, since. So they've got a real bond in this movie and you can tell. So Fight Club is ranked 11th from the top 250 greatest movies on IMDb. The infamous line, you do not, you do not talk about Fight Club. Was ranked 27th on greatest ever movie quotes out of the hundred selected. That line is functionally both to the plot and to remind any viewers who have already seen it that the movie is just do not ruin the plot at the end, which is kind of a double meaning. But after director David Fincher had finished editing this film, the studio executives were confused by the piece and unsure on how to advertise this movie to an audience because I even struggled to give this film a genre if anything i don't know what genre you'd put this under crime drama thriller action i mean comedy is it, it falls under a few but you don't it doesn't really have a definitive one so fincher had wanted like a highly unique marketing campaign which would mirror the film's theme of anti-commercialism but was already quite nervous about the possible backlash against the film because of the themes so the studio executives refused to go ahead with fincher's idea and instead, a campaign was launched which was built largely upon just the presence of Brad Pitt in the film, as well as focusing on the fights, which plays as a minor role in the actual film. I mean, the campaign was highly criticised as giving the impression that the film was basically just about men beating each other up, completely ignoring the comic and satiric elements of the narrative and for marketing the film to be, you know, quite misleading as well. And David Fincher was especially annoyed because he saw ads for this film during the WWE and UFC programming, which he was just like, well, this has nothing to do with this film. But luckily, people were curious when they saw Brad Pitt and a film about fighting and they went to see it and they were pretty shocked to see it wasn't really about fighting and Brad Pitt. Well, it is a bit about Brad Pitt, but you know. Um, but yeah. You know, Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt's presence and the element of fighting proved enough to get audiences in this film about materialism and masculinity rather than the fighting itself. So the film did eventually work, so that's good. But what the studio did do is bring people in to watch and judge for itself, and luckily people were not angered by what they saw being misinterpreted by the trailers and adverts, but just to embrace the madness and the themes this film was clearly trying to convey. I mean, Brad Pitt almost turned down the role of the boxer in Snatch because he didn't want to play a fighter in another role, and Guy Ritchie was like, listen... You don't really play a fighter, do you, in uh, Fight Club, more of a cult lead. And with that, Brad accepted with the condition that he could do a gypsy accent for the movie, in which he did. And I think he did it awfully, but there you go. It's still a good film. There is a lot of random referencing in this movie, like the names he chose for the council meetings are from characters from Planet of the Apes, another film with a huge twist, and also the the splice of the erect penis in the movie is a reference to the 60s persona, in which they do the exact same thing. I mean, David Fincher decides to reference his stars in his movies too, so you'll see Seven Years in Tybe 
uh, intentionally leaving out the uh, the the T out to show the beat up cinema in the background. Uh, that's a big reference to uh, obviously Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt. Uh, then you've also got the Barry versus Larry Flint, which is the reason David Fincher casted Edward Norton over the likes of Matt Damon and Johnny Depp. And you'll also see in the background of Fight Club, The Wings of the Dove, which stars a very young Helena Bonham Carter. So he likes to reference his stars. I heard she had to wear um, platforms around Brad and Edward because they're like a foot taller than her. So most scenes you see of Helena Bonham Carter, she's actually wearing uncomfortable shoes and she had to just act her way out of it some would say i also heard she made sure that her makeup stylist would only apply her makeup only using her left hand because she thought marla wouldn't be someone who was skilled at putting on makeup so that's quite a nice touch to her character but with fight club i mean the film will exist as one of the most contemporary classics that will always have memorable lines a ridiculous twist and a career defining role for both edward norton and brad pitt and the legacy of Chuck is going to live on because of this. He will be always be the guy who wrote this film. But what is hidden in these layers is the theme of masculinity and the idea of destroying the materialistic world so we can be free. I mean, Fight Club tells us we are not free because of the things we think are important, the things we own, the things we like. And it's because we try to complete our life by consuming materials and possessions that surround us, but none of those things actually matter. If not, we are not completely ourselves mentally if we have these materialistic things. I mean, the moral is to sort of decouple your self-image from what society wants from you and rediscover a core of strength and identity inside of you, I guess. And I guess that's what you need to feel strong and the rest is shadows and dust. And in time with social media where these things act as the primal example to the very thing in this movie tells us that we need to escape from, makes this movie even more relevant than it was in 1999. I mean, Fight Club is about the physical fighting in this movie, but rather it serves better as a metaphorical sense for fighting the shackles that we are in right now, to fight back, to get back what is truly ours, and that is not to be consumed by these things that are all around us that serves us as a distraction more than living our lives. I guess we must find out uh, who we are and then accept it. And then, you know, we won't be on our phones for three hours a day and ask ourselves, why are we even doing that? We might fight, you know, we have to fight our own battles. Everyone's got the most individual battles. Find out why we get nervous for no reason. Find out why we need to accept every single rule. Why we need to buy clothes that we wear once a year. Why we need to buy branded items or go on first class or decide to celebrate birthdays. It's all the social structure that we need to think to ask questions to. I mean, the first step in solving any problem is recognising there is one, as Aaron Sorkin said in Newsroom, and the first fight is within, hence the dual personality within the you know the narrator and Jack. He isn't fighting Brad, but he's fighting himself, and by doing so, he's breaking free and realising what the world really is, and that's sort of what you know Fight Club is trying to tell you, and I think it's really well done in the way David Fincher has directed it, but... Listen, I could be babbling on all day about Fight Club and the hidden layers about it, but that is all I have time for with it. The film needs to, you know, needs no introduction. The film actually does grow in age with its blatant middle finger at society. The only downfall to its representation for both men and women and also black actors as well. Um, but I guess you're going to see a lot of those as films start to age. But anyway, please subscribe to me on Spotify, iTunes, and I'm also on Google. And you can also give me a follow on my Instagram page where I have all the latest movie news and updates on my upcoming podcast. That's Film Exploration AH or lowercase or one word. And once again, thank you for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.